Welcome to Quarter Life Archives, a podcast about the highs and the lows of going through your quarter life. We're your hosts, Noni and Karina. Welcome back to Quarter Life Archives. On this episode, we'll be revisiting the topic of the Netherlands. We talked a bit about the Netherlands and the Dutch people in our first episode, but we didn't really delve into that. So we'll be talking more about the Netherlands, the Dutch people, the misconceptions that the Netherlands gets, um, and as well, just some general things that confuse us. So listen to the entire episode so you don't miss a thing. Yeah, for today, we decided to keep things a little more casual, and I know that many of our listeners aren't based in the Netherlands, but maybe this could be interesting to clear some misconceptions that you have, or if you're, you know, looking to visit the country as well, you maybe you'll know a little more about the Netherlands after this. So I think the first misconception that we should clear up is the fact that Holland is not the Netherlands. They are two different things, but a lot mm-hmm. of people know the Netherlands as Holland. I mean, I know that there is, like, history, you know, behind this as well, and unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to give you a history lesson, but the matter of fact is that North Holland and South Holland are two provinces within the Netherlands, but a lot of times people just refer to the Netherlands as Holland, especially Germans. Like, as well for us, the German word for Dutch is Hollandish, officially, or, like, not officially, but, you know, I think people are trying to change it to Niederländisch. But um, yeah, a lot of people still call it Holland and, you know, it's just some, a little thing that you, you know, may want to clear up. I mean, I think it's the two province that, you know, that has Amsterdam, has The Hague. They have basically most of the cities that the Dutch is, that the Netherlands is known for. But then what about the other cities, you know, give them some love as well. The other provinces, give, mm-hmm. give us some love too. Mm, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, that was a very short one that we wanted to clear up. But the next one that we want to talk about is the um, image that all Dutch people smoke weed all day, every day. Mm. That is not true. And actually, weed isn't legal, actually. I think a lot of people think that it is legal. It's just tolerated. I think that's the word, right? Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah, and again, I don't think <laughs> I know... Um, I don't know the technicality of things. I wouldn't be able to explain the position of how weed is actually in the Netherlands. But there are some rules as well. Like you can only carry a specific amount with you at all times, right? I think five grams. Mm. Yeah. And I don't think you can grow. (laughs) I love that. Like (laughs) you becoming more unsure as you say it. I know. Okay. Maybe I'm not the best person. We should have asked like a Dutchie to come with us, honestly. But... They, you know, they aren't high all the time. You don't go to a class and you see a lot of Dutch people that are high. I mean, I think the whole point as well of like legalizing weed, one part of it is, you know, I guess also the more it's legalized, the more it's not abused. And Mm -hmm. you definitely see that here in the Netherlands. I mean, I think you're also technically only allowed to smoke weed in coffee shops or in your own like premises. Like you're not allowed to smoke in the street. Yeah, for sure. But that's the same thing with alcohol as well. You can't drink alcohol in the street as well. Again, tolerated still. (laughs) Tolerated still. (laughs) By the way, I just looked it up as well just to make sure that we're not, you know, creating some sort of misinformation here. Mm -hmm. But 
Yes, cannabis is illegal, but it's decriminalized for personal use. And that includes like under five grams of possession. But it can still happen that the police may confiscate it if they find it on you. So now that we've talked about everyone's favorite topic, let's move on to... (laughs) Drugs is everyone's favorite topic? (laughs) I don't know, man. I feel like everyone just associates weed and Netherlands Mm -hmm. naturally. Like, you know, the minute they hear you say, oh, I'm from the Netherlands, they're like, oh my God, weed. I know. They're like, oh, like they just smoke weed. Did you like get high every day? I just thought of something. What? Just one one more thing on this topic. Um, I think this is not for younger generations. But I think a lot of older generations, at least like my Chinese family, has the idea that weed is only legal or not legal, but in weed, Amsterdam you know, is yeah widely used in Amsterdam. Exactly. Everyone's like, oh yeah, it's fine as long as you're not in Amsterdam. Like, what do you mean? That's that's <laughs> not even that's not even like an older generation thing. I've I've had friends that ask me that as well, which is fine. I'm I'm happy to share and give you new knowledge. I just think know. it's funny. Why would it be like, you know, tolerated or legal in one? City. one city only <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's a small city as well so i guess everyone in the netherlands go to, goes to like amsterdam to get high i think a lot of people have the impression that coffee shops are just in bulk everywhere which is not the case i think it's definitely the case in the netherlands because you know i, I mean in amsterdam because there's so many tourists that go there specifically for that purpose mm-hmm. but i don't think you see as many coffee shops like just right around the corner Okay, so now back to moving on. <laughs> um, the next thing we want to talk about is Dutch people being stingy. Hmm. I've heard horror stories, not horror stories. I've heard horror stories. <laughs> I've heard stories of my friends where you know uh, one of their Dutch friends asked for like one euro from them for for like for like a shot or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I've heard that multiple times. Yeah. But not. My, I haven't experienced that myself. I haven't experienced that myself. I think, again, this is very dependent on the person. Mm-hmm, of course, I there's agree. also, like, the terminology, like, going Dutch means, like, splitting the bill, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that is very strong here. People love splitting the bill. That's, like, you know, 100% a thing. Um, and I've definitely had friends ask me for, like, smaller quantities of money where, for me, from in my culture, I'd just be like, yeah, it's fine. I got it. You know, this is on me. Next one can be on you, you know? But I think it really also just depends on how close you are with the person. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're close with, with your friend, then definitely, regardless of whether or not they're Dutch, they're going to be more likely to, you know, settle a bill for you. Another thing I think um, that is common is Dutch people are very direct or very mm-hmm. blunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I understand that that could be an issue for some people who, you know, they are raised to be a bit more, um, to be less confrontational when they speak with newcomers, for example. Um, but have you ever had a situation where this was an issue, Karina? Honestly, no. I don't know if it was also because of my, you know, half German background. I know Germans tiptoe around the subject much more than Dutch people, but I still think that there is a manner of bluntness or directness within German culture that's not, you know, present in a lot of Asian cultures. So I Mm -hmm. think I really don't mind it, you know, get to the point faster. I'm all for it. I don't think I don't think this is a misconception. I think it is definitely, you know, true, but I don't see it as a bad thing than being blunt. I think it can be a bad thing when it comes to jokes. Because, you know, there was an article before that I saw 
where you know they would make racist jokes for example but i don't even think that's being direct that's just being rude yeah <laughs> and they blame that on dutch directness i think that's just political indir- in- exactly. incorrectness exactly. which is i feel like political correctness is yet not yet as widespread in the netherlands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is why that can, could be definitely an issue and same as you, Karina, I don't think I've been in a situation where I I find it an issue, but I think it's even helped me more in my group projects where things are done fast because mm-hmm. people get to the point quicker. And maybe I've even adopted that myself because I think, you know, I, I like being productive in meetings. I like being effective. So please cut the nonsense and tell me what you want. Okay. okay okay (laughs) i think the one thing where i've noticed this could also be based on a language barrier but one of the things where i realized that you know what i was saying wasn't coming through to the other side is when i've used my friend's tinder and tried to make jokes yes you and my tree okay (laughs) (laughs) all right all right i totally forgot you have other friends too oh yeah (laughs) um but yeah i feel like there's a lot of times where i try to make a joke and it just doesn't come off right because they don't know what i'm saying and i think it's because they take everything at face value like Mm -hmm. they don't as much use sarcasm on a day-to-day basis so i'm just like bummed out because i'm like i would be such a hit somewhere else you know (laughs) but not here (laughs) not in the netherlands but everywhere else karina I'm I'm the best. <laughs> you are the best. No, I totally agree. And what about your experience texting? Do people get your humor? Yes. And you know, I have a friend, lovely girl, Lyra. She always I love you, Lyra. Um, she always listens to this podcast. Um <laughs> but, but again, you know, my style of humor and my other friend's style of humor were quite sarcastic. And then she joined in as well, saying like jokes that are sarcastic as well. She's she's picking up on them, right? But every time she says something, she'll be like, "Just kidding," <laughs> which I think is cute, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like we know that you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say it. <laughs> you don't have to say it. We're friends. We're best friends. Like, come on, it's okay. <laughs> so I think there is that little barrier because you know maybe it's not as common, I guess, to 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 joke in a sarcastic way to just be front like like. Like, yo, you suck, you know, Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a jokingly matter. Yeah, I think on top of that as well, um, one thing that, that I think is kind of true, but kind of needs to be clarified a bit is that Dutch people are punctual. And I do agree with this, but I think it's more Dutch people are precise, not punctual in the sense that, you know, when you have class, they will come at, if the class starts at, five let's say 5 p.m they will come at like 4 59 <laughs> so technically it is punctual but you know they wouldn't come like 10 minutes earlier not like the germans it's not like the germans yeah <laughs> the germans line up like 10 minutes before class <laughs> i think as well the difference is more that dutch people may not like their plans being disrupted mm-hmm. as much like mm-hmm. i feel like you know, whenever there's something more spontaneous planned, it's usually amongst my international friends. It's not amongst my Dutch friends as much just because, you know, they have like a precise way in which their day is going to go. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And um, I've had, you know, several situations. For example, like I've had meetings with, you know, Dutch people and I'll be like, let's do that at six. And they'll be like, I have, I can't do it because I have dinner, which 
I get it, but you know, you can also move your dinner an hour later, two hours later, I think it's fine. <laughs> Those people like eating early, which is good for your digestion. I mean, I'm not going to knock it. It's just sometimes when my lunch is later, I cannot eat dinner so early. You know, I'm already, I'm still full. Next, we want to move on to things that we still, to this day, after three years, for me, more than three years now of living in the Netherlands, things we find confusing. Why don't you start us off, Noni? <laughs> I think one thing that I don't know if this is an entire Dutch thing. I, I believe so. Um, but when you're sick, they, they try, you know, as much as possible not to, like, treat you, I guess. Try to, mm -hmm. like, play it off. You know, you just need paracetamol, I fucking swear. Paracetamol is their medicine to everything. And I get it. Like, a lot of times, you, it's mostly, like, you need rest and, like, you know, um, paracetamol. You don't need the hard drugs here. You don't need everything. And try, they, 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 they try to keep off antibiotics as much as possible. But sometimes you're in situations where you actually need stronger medicine than paracetamol and you just cannot get them. I think it is good that they don't give antibiotics out so freely. Like, it's definitely good because there's a lot of other you know, countries where I think it's so much more common to prescribe and then you're just, you're not doing your body any favors there. But I think my issue as well is that there's just no, like, empathy sometimes. And maybe this goes back to the, like, being blunt. But I remember when I had a really bad throat infection. Like, it went on for a week and I literally, I mean, I cried from the pain. Like, that's how painful. Mm. I couldn't sleep and everything couldn't you know, swallow, drink, eat, anything. It was just, and nothing, there was nothing that could make it better. Like nothing cold, you know, nothing warm, like both was terrible. And I went to the doctor like three times because I kept trying to convince them like, oh my God, like, please give me something stronger than ibuprofen. And they were like, no, you know, it's not bacterial, so we can't give you anything. But my issue was that there was just no, there was like, like I paid what 50 euros for like a five minute consultation where once again she looked at me thinking I'm crazy and like why are you here again like just go home take your ibuprofen and like it's gonna pass but I need a little more than that like I need mm. <laughs> I need some love you know yeah I feel like I mean I don't know if it's like in Hong Kong or anything but my doctor appointments are like much longer they yeah. try to check you up um, and you know, it's when, when you do go to the, the general practitioner in the Netherlands, you're literally in a time slot of 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like really short. And after that, you're like, okay, thank you for the paracetamol. <laughs> I remember, I remember I was in the same situation as you, Karina, where I was, you know, I was not feeling well. So I went to the doctor and I had already dragged my ass to the doctor where I wasn't feeling good. I didn't want to go, but I had to bike you know, yeah. in this oh cold weather oh to God, just no. to get paracetamol. And my friend, before I went there, my friend was like, do you want me to come with you? Because I don't want you to go home and the, with just paracetamol because that's what they usually do. And that's what you got? And that's what I got, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their love for paracetamol is too strong. I think my issue as well is that especially as a young person, as a student, I feel like your opinion isn't valued as much. You know, being young, the doctor will naturally assume you will make it through everything. Like, 
whatever you have, it's not that bad, like wait out the pain and you'll get better. And to some extent, you know, I guess that kind of mindset can be beneficial, but you know, I'm sure that there's plenty of people out there who, you know, have actual pains or like feel like there's something actually wrong with their body and feel like they're not being heard by their doctors because of this assumption. Mm. And I think in the end, of course, you know, like the doctors are the trained medical professionals and, you know, in the end they probably know better, but a lot of times, you know, you also know your body best, you know, like you know when something's off. I think, I mean, I know this isn't, you know, necessarily a doctor's job, but like sometimes a little bit of sympathy helps. <laughs> like when I was in pain, like it would have been nice to not just be treated like I'm stupid for even showing up, you know? Other than a very like laid back, kind of confusing healthcare system, I think one thing that also um, that I found confusing as well was that there's a lot of fraternities and sororities in the Netherlands, actually. But they don't call them fraternities and sororities. They call them associations. <laughs> Such a lie. <laughs> Such a lie. They're basically frats. They are frats. It's not basically. They're just frats. Just call it what it is, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. And doesn't it sounds kind of weird because they are frats, but, you know, they keep on using this term association. I, do, you, do you think they get offended? When we call them frats or, or sororities? I don't think they get offended. I think it's more to, like, the outside eye to make it seem like, you know, it's an official organization or association where is, they do because they get funded and shit. I mean, yeah, like, like, you know, frats in the U.S., they get funded, but they also do, like, a lot of charity work and, you know, they do, do a lot of events. So I think there's a lot of facets to frats. I think I was just surprised because I didn't at all know it was a thing. Because I feel like, I mean, I guess it's also just mainstream media, but U.S. Yeah. frats and sororities are so highly advertised and showcased, whereas nobody ever talks about Dutch frats. Yeah. And and they're quite, like, hardcore, man. Like, the hazing, if you're joining a frat in your first year, that's just bad. I mean, people have died before, so. Yeah, I know. And they they I know in some frats that they make you sign a contract that you won't tell what happens in your first few months, I think, or uh, in your first week of this kind of introduction period, because shit happens. I mean, you know, wanting to be within a fraternity and have, like, you know, some sort of a brotherhood or sisterhood with people, like, I understand that. I understand the appeal. I will never understand hazing. I don't understand. I mean, I, I see... Their opinion is that, you know, hazing will make you closer because, like, once you go through all that shit together, you know, there's nothing that can break you apart. But I think it's so archaic and it's so I dumb. I think it's, it's so childish because, yeah, especially because you are in university right now. Like, come on. <laughs> Do you need to go through this stuff? Do you need to make someone go through a lot of this stuff, a lot of shitty things for that person to be to finally be in uh, your club? I mean, it's not just a frat or sorority thing. I think it's just, I think hazing is very common in most, like, even sports groups and associations. I know it's a thing in the UK as well. And unfortunately, I don't think it's leaving anytime soon, you know, because in the end, when you see these people together, I guess, you know, the result is there, like the... Oh my god, yeah, it is there, because outside the fraternity when you know you you're in class the people in the same frat will always sit next to each other i mean 
it really depends on the frat, I guess. But there are specific frats that are very, like, they only hang within their frat. Yeah. I mean, they have a very tight-knit bond, which I guess is good for them. But it can also be a little bit elitist. I think with any sort of, you know, closed group, there's always a chance for something being more elitist. And the reality of the fact is that a lot of these frats, you know, that are also in part funded by, you know, whether it's the university or whether it's funded by these people having like, you know, you have to have like, I think you have to pay for entry as well. And a lot of these kids, you know, come from wealthy backgrounds as well. So it's just this whole community of like wealth and power. And a lot of it is for like networking. Yeah. A lot of people use these associations for networking. I mean, you be in a frat or sorority and you probably have a job for life somewhere. Like, you can always find someone who is connected. You know, one thing that I've noticed myself with, with the people in my studies or even the people in our minor, I think when you talk to a lot of these people individually, everyone's lovely, you know? Everyone's mm-hmm. super friendly. Like, I've never, ever personally had an issue with someone who is in one of these associations because... In the end, they're also just people. They're just trying to live their student life. They're just trying to get most out of it. And if that's what they think they need to get the most out of it, you know, then that's their choice. I think the bigger problem is when you put them all together. And, like, when they feel like they can do no wrong because they're this whole group of people. I've had a friend who's worked at a karaoke bar and her greatest nightmare was always <laughs> these groups of frat people, girls or guys coming in and taking over the karaoke bar. Like what you said, Karina, I think in the end of the day, like if that's something that makes them happy and that's how they think um, they would enjoy their university experience the most, by all means, you know? So, you know, if if they personally aren't doing any damage around them i think it's totally fine to join one of these frats and it can be interesting i i've I've noticed that a lot of people do end up making friends for life from these frats yeah exactly i think in the end you know live your life as you want as long as you're not harming anyone else you know not my problem but you know what is my problem or was my problem Mm -hmm. dutch university vacation time now that was a problem it is so (laughs) there's barely any Apart from summer, there's barely any. Winter, like our winter break was two weeks. Mm. Two weeks, okay? Because it is a three-year program. It's like really fast. What I don't understand, okay? German universities also have three-year programs, but they have semesterferien, as in they have a break between each semester. For how long? Sometimes it can be like over a month. What? Sometimes it can be like a month, yeah. I mean, but yeah. I mean, keep in mind, they're probably also studying in those, you know, breaks. Yeah, but I mean, like, it does make a difference where you can separate your study time and vacation time. You can go on a one-week vacation and then do the other week for, like, studying. I mean, as well, like, especially for winter break, that's two weeks. You know, it's Christmas. Christmas is the time you're supposed to be with family. And Noni, how many times have you missed out on that? Yeah, man, I never go home for Christmas because it's only two weeks. Not even sometimes. And this was the case for our university. I don't know about the other ones in the Netherlands, but right after Christmas break, we have our exam period. Oh my god. So yeah, not only true. do we only get two weeks, but we also need to yeah. study. Like in the UK, that they have the same thing where they have like um, 
exams right after their their Easter break, but their Easter break is one whole month. That's insane. Exactly. But the UK is a whole other level. Okay, I was okay, talking yeah, about yeah. my I, I was true. talking about this with my friend, and he said that they technically had more vacation days than they did no for like, sure university like, days which is insane like that insane. I'm, I'm not asking for that I'm just no no exactly as well like balance. where's your money going like exactly <laughs> <laughs> they're paying so much more money than us i know <laughs> and then half of it is vacation like i want to learn as well come on i'm here to get an vacation <laughs> i just would love some more balance especially for people who literally move to europe and especially because you know as an international especially if you go come from far away you also want to travel europe um and not just study all the time you want to have time to actually enjoy other countries you know see see the world see europe um and you can't really do it as much if you you know if you have only two days off between your blocks you know <laughs> sometimes yeah. you, you you only have the weekend off even Beyond the vacation time for university students, I mean, and, and professors, it's not just students. That is true, but professors too. One of the other things that I had a hard time wrapping my head around was the grading system. The grading system and... The grading system in the Netherlands. It's just like super strict. They do not want to give you a good score, I feel. Like, why don't you want your, your students to, to be appreciated for their hard work? <laughs> yeah because it's i feel like they're really hard they, it's really hard to get a 10 out of 10 basically i've been told even that it's p practically impossible like you shouldn't get your hopes up if you want to get like a perfect score i so i think we should quickly just explain that the grading system is made up from uh, points from one to ten a 5.5 is a passing grade so anything under a 5.5 you're going to have to either retake the exam or re redo the assignment and I would say the most common grade given is like around a seven or like slight lower than a seven. Even. Lower, yeah. Even. Like six point something, I feel like is the most common grade given. And once you move to this country, I feel like your standards change because, you know, in your head, you're like, oh my God, you know, it would be lovely to have like eight point something or nine point something, right? But realistically, especially depending on what you study, sometimes it's just not possible. Yeah, I remember one time I, uh, I for one of my courses, I averaged like a seven point something. And then my friend was like, oh, my God, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, thank you. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's a bad score, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, no, it's a shitty score. No, but I don't think it's amazing as well. In my eyes, especially, seven was like an average. I remember getting yeah. a seven in high school and I was already like probably one of the lowest students in my class. I averaged one of the lowest in my class. I think you just lower your maybe even expectations or standards mm -hmm. because you start realizing the reality is that, you know, a seven is a very good grade here in the Netherlands. Whereas whenever I feel like I need to explain it to people who study somewhere else, I'm like, no, you have to understand, like, this is a good yeah. <laughs> you know? That's, that's like, the thing. That's the thing. Explaining it to other people that, you know, <laughs> it's just a different grading system. Yeah. And I don't understand professors who are like, out of principle, I don't give tens. Then what the fuck is the number there for? I okay. know. That's the thing. Just keep it out, you know, if you don't want to give it. But then they're not going to give nines. <laughs> so it's just kind of... <laughs> it's a cycle but yeah. i mean even you know like in 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 our diploma there is a clear definition of what these grades mean 
because I think it's so different from other, you know, grading systems in the world. I think I can just talk on and on about things in the Netherlands and, you know, things that I found a bit off, but also things that, you know, I found as a pleasant surprise to me as well. Um, And in the end of the day, I still love the Netherlands. I miss it. Um, And there's so many things I learned from there, so... Either way, whenever you move to a new country, you learn a whole lot about yourself and about, you know, about living with other people and like living with other cultures, which I think is extremely valuable. And like Noni said, like I personally love living in the Netherlands. If I could continue to live here, like if I could find a job in the Netherlands, I would because honestly, it's a great place to live. The people are lovely. Um, The people, you know, can be very welcoming too. And I think... Yeah, there's just a lot of benefits to being in this country. So don't take this episode as like us, like, you know, complaining. But I think it was more like our observations, you know, things that are either weird for us or things that we wanted to clear up about the Netherlands. So yeah, that's it for this episode. Um, We hope you enjoyed it and learned a thing or two. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.